Welcome to the Suffering Podcast. Each week, we walk you through how suffering is the way to sustainable success and the path to greatness. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. Visit thesufferingpodcast.com for complete details. Please subscribe and like to get our latest episodes as soon as they drop. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for exclusive content. Please comment. We may read your comments on future shows or even reach out to you for a future guest appearance. Let's embrace how suffering forges bonds that last forever, showing we are never alone. So get so ready, get ready, sit down, sit down, and strap it, strap it. Sit your ass down, down. Sit your ass down, down. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. Sit your ass down, down. Sit your ass down, down. Strap it, strap it. This is gonna hurt, gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt, gonna hurt. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. This is gonna hurt. It's time for the Suffering Podcast. Dented Development Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a mission to assist first responders and their families repair dents caused by suffering. Help us support the ones who take care of us selflessly. Dented things can still operate, but may not be as pretty as they once were. Make a difference and go to DentedDevelopmentProject.com to get involved today. Our heroes need our help. All new Suffering Podcast gear is here. The show depends heavily on our supporters to get the word out. Let people know that suffering is a team sport and no one is alone in their struggles. Wearing the Suffering Podcast merchandise accomplishes that goal. Check out our store at thesufferingpodcast.com or check our show notes for the link. Your support and love means everything to us. We walk ourselves into the deep stream and begin to trudge against the current. It's very difficult to put one foot in front of the other. As the water gets deeper and deeper and threatens to overtake us, we can't see any way out. We're about to drown. There are people along the banks of the river that are telling us to just get out of the water. If it were only that easy. Human beings seem to be really good at making a difficult life more difficult. We dump struggle and suffering on top of suffering. It is our need for excess to replace success. Welcome back for the conclusion, the finale of The Suffering of Alcoholism with Bobby Crudell. I think the last time we had you in, Bobby, you were talking about how your, your progression of this alcoholism while you're in the midst of it you probably didn't see it as a problem it was it was it social was it numbing give us a little window into what your like mind was numbing like. your childhood pain i think it was more of an escape for me everything filters into what you're doing at the time i mean you're on the job at the t- at this point correct my real real struggles with alcoholism start when i get on the job i want to say for that i mean it's 24 years now but in the midst 
at some point when it gets to the last 15, that's when it gets really bad. We're talking, everybody always asks that question. When did you hit rock bottom? About six times. <laughs> no, seriously, six times. And somehow I talked myself into, I, the family's important, right? Family's always important. Six, I'll take like two weeks off. The most I ever stopped drinking was six. Just just to prove that you could quit drinking. Just to prove See, and he not, knows this to prove that to my family and to everybody else that's watching, I got no fucking problem. But in my mind, I'll do this so I can drink again. And that day that I go back and drink, it's an all-nighter and it's it's like something where I don't – listen, I missed fucking practices. I had to walk off the field while I was coaching to go throw up. Um I know everybody wants to know a rock bottom thing, right? Right. You mind if I talk about it? No, absolutely. So it, right, when you say six times, no, I'm talking six times legitimately. But that they weren't. You, you were you were just at the bottom. Of, you weren't all the way at the bottom yet. Okay, so my wife's dying of of uh, brain cancer. She she they think she can go. You know, she's got stage four a. Uh, a a tumor the size of a lemon in between her memory and her speech. They got to do this crazy surgery and they don't even know if she's going to make it through it. Right. They're hoping I go, she has successful surgery. Now they got to take her. I can't go with her. They got to take her to the ICU and I can't go. First thing I do is I don't even go home to check on my kids. I go and meet my buddy and I go on a drinking spur from now. The surgery was about 10 and a half hours. So from early morning to then, so it was like early evening. I don't walk in the door until 9.30 the next morning. And then I show up at the hospital and my sister-in-law had told her, I think Bobby went out drinking all night. He didn't come home. He didn't see the kids. I don't know where he went. And she asked me and I just, I said, no, I made up some fucking crazy story like I always would. And then I laid in the bed with her for seven hours, wasted out of my mind. I consider that rock bottom because I didn't give a fuck about anybody except for how I felt. My pain was for me. I, I used I, I, the thought of losing her and losing that my kids losing their mother didn't come out the way it should have. I disappointed myself hundreds of times during the year, during over the years, but that was one of the worst parts. But this is in 2011 and I didn't get sober until 18 months ago. Right. So that was just one piece of it, you know, where I had to look in the mirror and say, well, was that you, the first time you actually, you, the, you, the look in the mirror, was that the first time you actually took a look in the mirror and say, this, this is a little bit more than social? No, before that, something happened. I was assigned to narcotics for seven years in Jersey city. So I'm um, uh, with the prosecutor's office and I had uh, uh, an off duty, like, I wouldn't even say it was an incident, but something happened. And uh, that was the first time I looked in the mirror and I was like, you got fucking problems. But when nothing happens and you sort of circumvent you through the bullshit, you think you're okay. You become, you start thinking you're invincible. You know, a lot of times I had that, I had that, that thing like, I got fucking 20 lives here. Right. Fuck the nine. I got 20. I, I always said, though, if you knock on the devil's door long enough, someone's bound to answer. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, and you know, the funniest part about it all is, is when I did get to the point of the, when I, I knew I had a problem, when I, I knew I had a problem, I knew I had a problem forever. I just wasn't willing to face it the way it needed to be addressed. I would put a band aid on it always. 
because I didn't want to give up the hanging out. Mm. I didn't want to give up that 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 thing where I could go to the bar and I I would go to six bars on the way home. Nobody ever wants to be told you can't do that again. Hmm. It is it is a, nobody was going to tell me. It's a hard listen, thing. Bobby was always big into playing darts, wear dart leagues in a mm. bar, yeah. yeah, playing cards, pool, you know. pool, playing pool. I have a pool table in my house. I wouldn't even. So I would go play pool and I I would be like, guys just want to play for money. And I, I got a pool table in my house. Right. I play pool forever. I used to go to the guys and dolls all the time. I, you want to play pool? Okay. Oh, I want to play for a couple bucks. I, I play half ass. Not even hustling them, just like right. goofing around. Then I'd take their money. And that would be drinking. I would never come home with anything. I would drink. If I played June darts, I was having a hot night. I'd win money. That's all getting drink. That would just, where's an after hours club? See, What's that, open till three o'clock in the morning? That's, the Rock. Yesterday's. <laughs> that's the whole reason I stopped drinking because I knew I was getting to a point where somebody was going to say you can never do that again, and that's too final for me. Too final for me. I, you know, I, whatever I, makes you yeah. better. I, I see. I'm not locked into like you know people preach AA and people preach this and this and NSA all that whatever that, whatever those things are right. I I don't. I think they're all good. I think they have their purpose. I was just a little different. I needed to, like, you needed to do what you needed to do. I, I did it differently, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, when I got to rehab, it was all AA-based, and I believed it got me to where I needed to get, but I'm not a meetings guy. Well, let, let's, before we get to rehab, now, eventually, there was a point where you said, I got a problem, and I can't fix it. You, yeah. That's that surrender. It was weird. Yeah, Exactly. And it was just the weirdest thing. I went on a soccer tournament. We went down to the, some vineyard somewhere. Wine, baby. No, that was no wine. I think I probably- Brings me back to my childhood. He was eating yeah. the grapes. I said, oh, father. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Cleopatra. Uh, but I was down at the soccer tournament for my daughter, Skylar, and we were hanging out. We had a great weekend. You know, I, we went out a couple of nights. I mean, I drank fucking abnormal, like, you know, normal. Well, I, I shouldn't say abnormal. There, I finished off a fifth of, of uh, I had a couple bottles of wine, then I had about maybe 10 or 12 millilites, and then I would bang back a whole fifth of vodka. That's what I would do. That would be a night for me. I was the last one. I was watching a band. Everybody else went back to the hotel, my wife included. I'm just sitting there drinking. The next day, I get up. I watch the games. Same thing the next night. We had a really good time. Nothing. We were just talking about how great it was. What a great weekend it was. Came to work the next day. I just knew. What 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 clicked? I don't know. I, I that's the one part that I just think about. I think I think something internally in my head just. Are you a higher power guy? Are you something like my higher power is my children? Yeah, I I'm spiritual. Obviously, I believe in God, and I I I'm, I'm very <laughs> be, like in that sense. Be wary of people who are spiritual because those are the people that just want to do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> I swear to God, it's like yeah, I I can <laughs> yeah no, I can do every drug in a book, but I'm spiritual. My spirituality brought me to the next level of sobriety and right. recovery, but I was never you know overly religious or anything. I became more spiritual when I started fixing myself. Well, I'm, I'm looking for the key. You understand. But my that. higher power was my children. They saw some things that no kids should see, you know, not stuff that's going to scar them, but because I corrected it right. to where my kids come to me and say, 
we're proud of you. We can't believe you were this, and now you're this. That's so. actually a big success story with that. It is. That, that, that was, I wanted to get into that as well, the effects we on could, your family. We could go to where the rehab if you want to first. Because then I, I – see, everybody thinks they can fix it. I shouldn't say everybody because I don't talk for anybody else. For me, I always thought I could fix it. I always thought because you are stronger than this, yeah, ten yeah. times. I got this. I got this. Yeah. I mean, when, I got it. When we were when we were involved in our stuff, I don't. I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same with Mike. I was so mad at myself because I'm like I'm fucking stronger yeah. than this. I'm so mad at how myself. How the fuck did this happen to me? Right. I, I I'm better than this. I can handle. You this. never know how anything's gonna affect you. Yeah. You know, I tell people that all the time. Mike, Mike hey, listen. I'm, it sounds corny. Mike's one of my heroes. I grew up with him, you oh, know. And you got to raise the bar, brother. Hey, dude, I, Listen, mean, I know. In I know, North Arlington, we don't raise the bar too high, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know when it's whatever it's, gets you to the next day. All that sex we had, but um, <laughs> no, the but he bar, the bars he, at belt level. He's always been someone I, I I aspired when he he became a cop before me, and just his presence. When you when you look at Mike and you see what he what he went through, okay, but then you look at Mike and who, how he held himself and how he did the job. Nobody did the job better than him, and he did it the right way, and he knew how to do things, and he, and then he has this event, and it changed who he was. And and to me, Mike's the strongest guy I ever met, and, but you never know how you're going to handle that. You know, you never know how that part, you know, thank God that's never happened to me. I've been in some crazy shit. Like, you know, I've been told dozens of times by doctors, you got PTS because you got stabbed and you got this. And You're my new shit. best friend, PTS. PTS. Did you see it? I love it. You're my new best friend. We're and, dropping a D. Yeah. It's not a disorder. And and I'm like, yeah, but I could have that from fucking getting my ass whipped fucking for 10 years by my stepfather. Who the fuck knows what I got that? You know, I never shot. I never killed anybody. You know what I mean? And I don't want to kill anybody. I didn't sign on to job to get, but if I, I, you got to do your job. You know Com- what I mean? Common misperception of law enforcement. Everybody thinks, oh, this guy's fucking got a gun. It's just, no, dude, I, I did. I got these things. I don't need the gun unless I really need the gun. Right. You know? But I just hit the wall, I guess, click interior-wise, and I looked in a mirror, and I go, it's time. That's where everybody, I think that's where cops get a little hinky because they're like, what do I do now? Do I do this? Do I take time? Do I take a leave of absence? I can't tell anybody at the department. I go to my PBA, but everybody knows. As soon as you say something, the whole fucking department knows. People people probably knew. Like, he's in it kind of hard. Well, you want to hear what the funniest thing is? I trust my chief. I worked with him as we were partners in the detective bureau. He's the best guy that I've ever personally worked with. And he said, uh, I walked up in his office and I told him, I said, chief, I think it's time. I got a problem. And he said, you think? (laughs) (laughs) And he smiled and he goes, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go somewhere. I said, I know I can't do this on my own. I can't. And he goes, and then he said, you're asking me for help, correct? And I said, absolutely. He said, well, you can't go to no inpatient. He goes, you can't go to no outpatient bullshit. He goes, because that's not going to work for you. And he goes, I know how you think. He goes, a few few couple of weeks, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm You'll back. be drinking on the way home. Yeah. He's like, you need to go somewhere. He gave me this. The, he not only gave me, like, an infusion of courage, he, he had my back. He was like, he said, I told him, I don't want to go to Florida. I didn't want to go to Stephan. Uh, what's Actually, name? he, he, he called Stephen. me. He called, Bobby called me one day and yeah. said, you know, I need to talk to someone. I talked to him. So and, I referred him to Dr. Steph. Yeah. And Steph's a great guy. I mean, he's got all the background. You know, you could talk to him all day long. I just 
didn't want to go to Florida. I didn't want to go with all the cops. And that's going to sound weird because, you know, I am a cop and I relate with everything we go through. But I felt like I needed to be with all the normal addicts, with like the people. The true blue addicts. The ones that are in there. And I'm going to, I wanted to learn. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to be the guy, no offense to to people out there, but you, I know guys on the job that have been to the farm. The farm, like three, four times in a career. I don't want to fucking do that. I want to do this one time and get it over with. And but I know it's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. I know I'm in recovery for the rest of my life. I get that part. But I didn't want to go, dude. Like people are all this rehab becomes a routine. Oh, I need a oil change. I don't need no fucking oil change. I need a complete overhaul. Put a new motor in there, and I go out in the world again, and I live the rest of my life. Right. So. I went to um, a place called the Discovery Institute. It's in Marlboro. Well, had you not gone this this route, how much longer do you think you would have lasted? I would have, what, on the job? No, just in general. I probably would have been dead right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not something I got to tell myself. You know, I, I really believed it. I was heading down the wrong fucking path. I'm sure, I'm sure your yeah. marriage would have been gone too. The marriage would have right. been gone. Fuck you, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Listen, she, she his... put up, listen, she put up a more... And I think every cop's wife that goes through this puts up, they can all say the same thing. Just like uh, levels of alcoholism. I don't think I'm any more of an alcoholic than the next guy because we all have these crazy fucking stories that we did. And I can tell you stories that are like you blow your mind. But then another guy could come in and tell you worse stories. There's no competition. It's not a sport. Every great story. I've never heard a great story start with... You know, this one time I was eating a salad. <laughs> At band camp. At band camp, right. <laughs> this one time we were out and we weren't drinking, and guess what happened? Guess what happened? The yeah. best night of my life. Oh, yeah. So it goes hand in hand, and, yeah. and you see how you see how all this stuff happens. Nobody wants to go to rehab. When I went to rehab, I don't know about you, but I couldn't take, you got, I have this freedom to do whatever I want, mm. and now I don't. And not to mention I was in the room with a junkie who my brother happened to arrest, and he didn't know it was my brother, <laughs> which was fucked up. Yeah. And and I'm I'm the walls just closed in on me. Well, you know what I didn't have in my life discipline for myself. I didn't have discipline. I instilled it like this whole time I'm doing all this shit. I'm I'm coaching football. I'm coach. I'm running ba- rec basketball for the whole town. I'm doing all this shit, and meanwhile, I am whacked. Half the time. Anytime I do anything, I got to go drink. That's one thing about Bobby. Heavily, heavily involved in youth sports in North Arlington, right? Football coach, basketball coach, baseball coach. Always involved in everything. Yeah, and 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 you know what? That's another thing. That's another higher. We talk about higher powers. If I didn't have that shit and I wasn't doing that shit and my kids were like in the book club. Like, cause you get involved because your kids, let's not, unless you got a calling and you're this, whatever, I wouldn't known how good of a coach I could have been unless my kids were playing. Cause I would have never thought of it. I would have been like, Oh, more time at the bar. You know, this took away from that. And my close friends have told me before, thank God you coach football those years. Cause the football is the biggest commitment. It's every night and it's the weekend and it's months and months preparation, training camp. Then afterwards, if you make the playoffs, so that actually saved me because I couldn't drink as much then. And I had the taper back. Don't get me. I got it in. I got it in. I always put the time in, but it saved me. When something's important to you, you always find time. But I used it as a higher power on the back end, saying, listen, this is what I want to continue to do. You know, and- I think I, I, I have, I, I'm gonna. I can retire next year. I'd like to be a high school football coach. I really would. I'd, I'd like to to dabble in it. See if I could do something. You know, I always had. I love the sport. You figure I was a basketball player, but I love football. I think football is just so much more interesting. I think Ray, Ray Lucas might be looking for some assistance done by you. 
I'll take his job. You uh, <laughs> you ever been to one of these Glacier clinics? I just got back from one in Atlantic I City. I am on Glacier, and they just uh, our coaching staff just went to it in Atlantic City. Yeah, were you there? Were you there the I, other day? No, I wasn't there. I couldn't. I had to. I was up here, but oh. they were there. North Arlington is there. Yeah, the entire because I was there. I mean, it didn't. It didn't really apply to me because I'm this year. I'm coaching third and fourth graders. Like they I, got some sick drills on that thing. You go to the library. I haven't been on the website yet, but they're t- they're talking about slot back and stuff. Listen, I'm just trying to get the kids to stop eating turf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right now, whoever that when they're listening to this, they're gonna go. All right, guys, land the fucking plane. This isn't helping my addiction. <laughs> well, it's not. It helped mine. <laughs> Find something you like to do. Well, the, you, the, when you're the, going through something like that, you need to say, we talk about it all the time. You need, you need a safe place. Coaching, whatever it may be, everybody has to, listen, you're an addict. I know you're an addict. I, I consider myself an addict. No matter what you do in your life, you're going to approach it the same way that you approached alcohol. Now, obviously, you want to you want to distract yourself with other things that you can put your focus into. And the reason I'm getting into the minutia of what coaching's about, because coaching, especially at the higher levels, the high school levels and beyond, you're talking. You have no idea. It's not just showing up to practice and making up a couple drills. It's more and than a commitment. It <laughs> is. It is a lifestyle. Yes. That you have to do in your spare time on the on the high school level. You know, because all all the coaches are they have that's not their job. You know, unless you're going to a high school in Texas with six thousand students, that is a secondary job. They're teachers. They're they have other other professions, and the amount of commitment and and knowledge that you have to have, I can see how that stuff right there would sober you up. Yeah, or or feed that need for an addiction. So uh, let's let's get into rehab a little bit because well, I'm interested to find out what your experience was like. For me, rehab was everything. If I didn't go to rehab, I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. Mike would be probably banging my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mackie. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, I wouldn't be here. I would, I would have, I think I would have been dead or living in a studio apartment somewhere. My kid's not talking to me and just saying how I, f- I got a 50% pension because they let me resign or whatever. It would have been bad. I wasn't, I was heading down the wrong road. But nothing was in front of me. Like nothing, there was no sidetrack like to go to rehab where somebody said, you got to do this. I did it all on my own. Was there ever a point in when you're about to go into rehab where your future was so uncertain as a police officer? No. You know what? That's the one thing I did. I did my job good. I could really do the job. But beyond rehab, did you ever ever question whether you're going to be allowed back or you put on the rubber gun squad? No. And that was- That's not how it works. Uh, well, this is the stuff I want to get yeah, out there because you go. A lot of people you, have these questions, first, and a lot of people aren't going to go to rehab because they think they're going to be. Right. First and foremost, you got you, if you decide to go to rehab, you go to rehab with the mindset like if you're like me or someone like Mike and even like yourself, most likely you do something you don't do it half ass, right? Right. I do everything fucking full boat. I yep. got to. You know what I mean? I I wasted enough time when I was a kid with a fucked up head, and then when I became an adult, I said, "Listen, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it all." That's how I did rehab. I went in and I said, this is going to be, I'm going to make the most of it, see what happens. And the structure of it, the structured atmosphere and the discipline brought me somewhere to a different level, made me locked in. And I realized what I wanted to do. After like three weeks, I was, every day got better and better. And after three weeks, I was like, wow, I was there for 37 days. It seems like a long time to be away from your kids. You'd only get to make two phone calls a day. This place was very, very strict. 
make the bed. The first day I made my bed, the, the Marine, the guy's a Marine. He's, he comes in, he goes, you must be law enforcement or military. No one makes a bed like that. <laughs> and I was like, that's easy. You just make the bed. <laughs> so, what, <laughs> you know? so explain to everybody why, why those little details matter in a place like we have. It teaches you to be grounded, you know, and, and being grounded is when you're not grounded, all bets are off for me. I don't, I don't like, like to, cause everybody's different. Like we've talked about how you handle your addiction and I handle my addiction completely different. Other guys got to go to meetings five days a week or else they can't stay sober. They can't walk past central liquors without going in when I can go into central liquors and buy my lotto tickets and I don't have an issue with it. Well, listen, Bob, Bobby has Super Bowl Sunday. He has a party and has, you know, they all play cards and everything. And he's like, yeah, sure. Bring over beer and everything. First couple of times I went there, I'm like, mm. The only thing I really be drink, but we went out. You didn't drink. You we went somewhere and you weren't even drinking. And I actually, I'm the alcoholic that takes offense to that. Just because I'm an alcoholic doesn't mean you have to fucking act differently. You got to live your life, whatever. You want to sit there and drink six shots of Jameson in front of me and fucking have a couple tall boys whack. Have at it. It's not going to affect my decision because I'm that strong. But do you understand where they come from when they're drinking in front of you? Because I, I, I consider it with smoking. Like I know there's there's people who stop smoking and they be, they go so far the other way. Like, I can't believe you're doing that. And they'll yell at you. I'm like, stop. Listen, my fault you quit. Listen, <laughs> stop. Let them, if they want to do it, let them do it. Who cares? It, it's They know it's not good for them. Now, when you see other people drinking around you, do you just... Go do what you you do you. I could care less. Yeah. I I'm gonna be I'm like Mike said before. I'm the same person, but I was more obnoxious as I drank more. Like I became sometimes it could get weird, but like I, I I I was still the same person. I wouldn't appear even. You know, it took me a real long time for that tidal wave. You, to, you, you got to realize something about Bob. Bobby treats everybody the same way, <laughs> right? The, the way he's treating us. One of the first years I went to his house for a Super Bowl party. They're all sitting down playing cards. And there's a guy sitting there. I find out later that he's a cop and Bobby's saying, fuck you, you fucking asshole. You're a fucking piece of shit. You ain't no fucking cop. You're a fucking. And he's motherfucking this guy up and down. It was his deputy chief. (laughs) I could just picture you. You you raise a drink to your glass. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to get weird. (laughs) It's going to get bad. (laughs) At some point, it's going to get bad. But that's how you know you're full. You're you're okay. You're okay with that. And maybe having those people around you drinking is is your AA meeting, is your reminder, because we all need we all need to brush up. You need to brush up on two C pursuit law, yeah. attorney general there's, guidelines, stuff like that. There's certain things I'm not going to do. I mean, I used to love going to this bar, Matson's in Kearney. It's a little hole in the wall place. Uh, I love the guys there, the fucking good people. Nobody, never trouble. Chill out. They close early. They finish up there every day. If I went to Food Town to get milk, I was in Matson's. It's two blocks away. I, that's I need an excuse. I would always go there. I have. I that's that's my that's the one place I won't go. Like I'll go to other places. I'll go to a restaurant. We go to we. I went to a bar last night at Riverside Pub with my wife to watch uh, uh, our friend play that we're, we grew up with. No issues whatsoever. I bought her a couple of wines. I freaking drank some seltzer. I don't give a shit. But in my head, I'm like Matson's was where was a real happy place for me. And I don't want to go back in. That's just knowing your limitations. Like that's a place that they always say in AA people's places and things, right? They hear that all the time. Like stay away from these people. Like there's toxic people that I couldn't be around anymore. And they're not my friends. And they're, I said, I'll always be, you'll always be my friend, but we can't hang out anymore. And I've told those people to their face. And I did like the steps and shit like that. I went through that whole progression, you know, just to see how it will work out for me. But I don't go 
to that place. There's certain things that I won't do. But as far as like us going to a restaurant and, and Mike banging back some beers and us, you know, whatever, I don't give a shit. The, we, we had a mutual friend who I'm not going to mention that has since passed away. Right as soon as Bobby came out of rehab, he's like, hey, come meet me up at this place. You know, let's go have a couple of drinks. Remember that? Yeah. And I told him, I said, listen, uh, I can't do that. Oh, I know you're doing the no drinking thing. So like, listen, there's one thing to go out and like, okay, who respects an issue with everybody, right? It always has to be. I respect people. So by Mike feeling awkward drinking around me, that's a sign of respect. But people, if he didn't respect me, he'd be like, bring it over here. You people, know what I mean? People get really weird when they're drinking and you're not. Did you notice that? Unless they know, I tell people right up, you don't want to, you don't want me to drink. I'm, like just to drink. I'm going to be the funnest guy anyway here. I'm going to be the most boisterous. <laughs> I'm going to, if I target you, you're not going to want to be friends with me anymore. <laughs> it's, it's just, that's, I'm less of, that's what, when I was drinking, I would find the guy. Remember when you were playing dodgeball and you'd be like, there he is. That's him. Right. <laughs> like, so I'll find that one person. And, and then it's, it's, it was terrible. I had a guy tell me at a party just recently. I, I'm so glad you stopped drinking. He goes, and I'm happy for you. He goes, and you're still funny as shit. He goes, but you don't, he goes, you used to target me. And he goes, I fucking would, I, I, I leave. He goes, I want to leave. He goes, cause you were relentless, yeah. <laughs> you know, and everybody be laughing cause you were so funny. But he goes, for me, I couldn't, I'd only have a few comebacks and you would eat them. He goes, you take them so good. He goes, you never got upset. I go, I said, I got a lot of ammo, baby. <laughs> there, that, that, that bothers me. If I go out someplace and and people know that I don't drink, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, we can't have a drink." Like, stop! And that yeah, that makes me feel live worse. Live your life, yeah. No, that, it's that makes me feel fine. worse because that makes me feel like I'm holding you back. Most alcoholics can't go, won't go in that situation. Like, if I tell a guy who's in AA that I'm going to go to this bar and all my friends are drinking, you're setting yourself up for a relapse. And that's what I think a lot of the cops out there got to realize that I'm not into labels. Like, you handle it the way you want to handle it. I, I mean, I do things. I, I I might be unique. I might just be the way it is for me. You know what I mean? I, I I do understand that at any given moment I could relapse. At any minute I could just say fuck this, I'm going to go have a drink. I you got to if you you got to say that. You you have to understand it though. It just doesn't it can't be words. Has there any been like a bad time since in the last 18 months where you almost went back? Nope. I wish I could say after he left the suffering podcast. <laughs> right after I fucking where's the local bar? Uh is there a BJ's? After a after he left in? the last time and then came back up today. I wouldn't have to yeah, go did you drink I just go to Mike's Jeep. <laughs> There's got to be beers in there. <laughs> just drink the bottom of it. There's yeah. Oh, this is backwash is awesome. Mm. But uh, no, I haven't yet. I haven't had anything, but I prepare. I'm a very prepared person. I prepare for everything. And when I became sober, when I got into rehab and then rehab, like I said, rehab worked for me. It really did because I bought into it. It was some of the stuff like, look at, I'm not, I don't go to AA meetings. I don't do that kind of stuff. I, once in a blue moon, if somebody's speaking, I'll stop by and listen. Once in a blue moon. But, yeah. and other guys get pissed at me because I do that. Guys that I know that are friends with, they're like, oh, you don't show up at me. You need meetings. I'm like, I need what's good for me. Did you ever think that going to a meeting wasn't so much for you, but for other people? Because you are doing well? Yeah. Well, when I speak at a meeting, they, they've been like, oh, I love it. Can you come back? I'll go do that shit. Yeah. I, I like helping people. But for me personally, when I'm sitting there and I have no struggles and then it comes around, like I feel... Like, I'm not helping anybody if I say, yeah, nothing, dude. It's like I never drank. It's like I never drank before in my life, and I just don't like the taste of alcohol because I don't have any cravings. I don't have any of this. And then I feel like that's to them. They're going, this fucking guy. 
Right. You know what I mean? So, and that's just my take on it. Well, you but, did, you you did get away lucky, but that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah, I think because uh, I like to, uh, you know, I do have perseverance and fortitude in that respect, and I I control myself. You know, it, it you know, alcohol I have no control over alcohol. It controlled me, so I know that if I ever took if we if you pop put a beer in front of me right now and I drank it. You're not going to see me for a couple of days. I, I know that. And I thoroughly believe it because that one beer would just be like the trigger. Okay. One thing I want to ask you, and, and I kind of know the answer to this, to this, but I want to hear it from you. It's about seven and a half. Most people think it's nine, <laughs> but it's really not that big. I've seen it. It's not that big. No, it's not. It's not. I just, I like to talk about it though. Hey, yeah. blow me up. <laughs> It's seven inches wide. It's fucking thick. <laughs> Mike says you're all balls. It, it scrapes the sides. Actually, my balls are shrinking, dude. I don't know what the fuck's going on. How old on. are you? Uh, do you have any Vagisil? I do. As a matter of fact, I do. I'm 55. I you're got, 55. All right. I got Vagisil in the Jeep if you need it. Oh, I put it on my asshole. They call that a bussy. All right, go ahead. <laughs> when, when you got out of rehab and went to work, how did your department treat you? Like all the guys. Amazing. Not one person was like, kind of like, like, oh, like, you know, like oh, I had leprosy. Like at you sideways. <laughs> you stupid alky. Yeah, like I had, I had leprosy. I like to joke about it. You know, I throw the jokes out there. And guys that know me will say, like, you know, don't invite Bobby. Like, you know what I mean? Just like whatever. But everybody was super supportive. Well, I'm I mean, sure you, I'm I'm proud sure of you. you had your group of guys that you used to go out after work and go have a couple drinks with. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't treat you any different after that. No. No, they just were like everybody else, kind of like, I like when people come ask me shit. Don't be quiet or act a different way around me. What's up? Open your fucking mouth. So guys that come up to me, we're going to watch the Dallas game because I, unfortunately, I work with a couple of Dallas Cowboy fans. We're going to watch a Dallas fem- fan down at Females in police and law enforcement it's, is fine. That's, I embrace it's, it. It's totally okay. Uh, uh, totally. Kev, he's a, a Jets fan. And his son is a Lions fan. Yeah, so I'm pretty much a, a lot. Listen, we could do a whole suffering podcast on a football Sunday in his house. I don't yes. think I've ever met a, a Detroit Lions fan ever. My brother, my youngest brother is a Detroit, and that's why my son is, because he sent them Detroit Lions shit. So there's and now two. Matt Stafford leaves and he wins the Super Bowl. I said, why don't you follow him to the Rams, you jerk off? But you don't talk like that to a 13-year-old. <laughs> well, so there, the one pro- there is one problem about not drinking and having those around you drink. There is one problem. I don't really like being around a lot of drunk people. Okay, that is a problem. Yeah, I don't like it. When you get to that point, I've always... when Listen, sometimes I would drink when I was drinking so I could keep up with the Joneses so I wouldn't have to deal with that fucking idiot. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I get it. Listen, I get it. I'm active on the job. I can tell you shit that happened in bars... And people know the stories and shit, but we're not going to talk about that. I don't have a tolerance for that shit. You better have a good dental plan. You, I don't, you, you I don't, can't deal with drunks unless you're drunk. Unless you're wasted. So right, I would get right. drunk a lot of times when I knew I was going to be, a, I would be already hammered. I was never the, uh, the full, I was the upbeat kind of guy. Right. But um, right now, being sober, if you get obnoxious, it's it could be a turn. So I'm a two, three hour, two hour guy. If I'm hanging out, if I, if I'm invited to something and then I leave, I just yeah. go. Cause I know it's going to, someone's going to get, and I can't stand the certain people when they drink certain things, it smells. That's something that bothers me. Yeah. I get, I don't like, not that it makes me want to drink. It's just like, ugh, dude, and that take used a to, mint. That used to be you. 
That was me. That used to be Close you. talker. <laughs> fucking, you know, handsy, grabbing your fucking, little you know, squeech, oh, Little squeech oh, down below. Oh, yeah. always. And, 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 oh, my if, God. But if I, I'd be like, oh, my. <laughs> oh, let's, is it bathroom unisex? And if you notice one thing about Bobby, he's only got like one octave to his voice. You know, it's just out there. It's loud. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, there. As an as an alcoholic like me, as an alcoholic, I had to feel my way through, you know, and I'm still learning every day, like certain things, you know, like my wife, my wife stopped drinking a lot. Like she used to drink more and she stopped. She really curtailed it now. So now she, if she has two glasses of wine, she's like tipsy, you know? Yeah. So last night she had two and a half and she's fine, but you can always tell like when somebody's drinking, you know, like I'm sure just, she has more wine when Mackie comes over, though. Yeah, that's a that's a whole different. I leave the house then, because yeah, I just can't take the fucking conversation. Get it's yourself, just getting stupider. Get, get yourself out of dangerous situations. Yeah, dude, that's go. what I that's what I do for a living. Now, your what would, what do you think your biggest adjustment to sober life would be? Going to the gym a lot more. I think finding a routine, but not finding another addiction. Everybody says addicts, oh, addictive personality, all that's that shit. I really don't believe in that. I believe that. I need to find things that take up the time in a positive way that I'd like to do anyway. I wasn't going to pick up. I don't like yoga. You're not going to get me to do fucking yoga. I don't like it. I tried it. I don't fucking like it. Hot, wait, wait, hot don't, yoga. Don't, don't you downward dog and shove it up your <laughs> fucking ass. Fucking, don't fucking knock it. I'm going to tell you why. Oh, it's because you like putting the pants on, right? You fucking weirdo. <laughs> he does the fucking yoga, yoga pants tell, on right? right now. Oh, my right, God. Well, these while, are you, hot. while you two are chirping, let me explain <laughs> okay, to you why yoga it. is so great. We're going to be doing part three. <laughs> it is the funniest fucking thing on the planet because you know what happens when you're doing yoga? Everybody's <laughs> farting. It's the funniest fucking. Is that thing. why they call it hot yoga? <laughs> then that just smells real bad. It's it's. I've taken a couple yoga classes. And I'm telling you, I walk out of there almost crying. Yeah, I know why you take the yoga classes. Stop. <laughs> but I I think the the gym is big for me. Uh, obviously, I coach. I love sports. Um, uh, like today, when I'm out of here, I got to go to rec basketball. I don't give a f- like if the coach doesn't show up. I coach the goddamn team. Last week I coached this team. They didn't win. They said, "Hey, coach." They were fifth and sixth graders. Where's your coach? He didn't show up. Oh, he called. He can't make it. So now they got all. They called ahead of time. It's like, yeah. "Oh, can you fill in?" So I go, "Hey, kids, what's going on?" They're like, "I said, so what do you guys play? You play a zone. You go man to man. What do you do?" They're fifth and sixth graders. They don't even fucking know. So I'm like, "Did you win a game yet?" They played like six games. Just no, we were like zero and six. I said, "All right." I said. Come on, we can do a little thing. Boom, boom, boom. We won, and we beat a team that was like only got one loss. They were—they're not bad. Some of these kids, but I like it. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm fucking a cartoon character. I'm loud. I say shit. You know what I mean? The parents fucking. Well, there's the an enormous amount of satisfaction bringing it, seeing a kid grow. Yeah. Especially in sports, in the sports world, and that's that's always been my joy of coaching. And you're volunteering. You know what I mean? You're volunteering your time for something good. I really get into it. I really like it. And you know. I'm not, I'm always learning shit. Anybody, some of these guys think they fucking know everything. They don't know shit. That you got to put your time in. You know what I mean? You got to be a student, you know? You know, Kev, you said it earlier, you know, you talk to people and like, it seems like everybody knows Bobby. Yeah. He is like synonymous in, in like the junior sports in our area. I put out. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know Crudell? Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> everybody like rolls their eyes. <laughs> there's, there's a weird thing that happens. So I put out a little commercial. Right, I, I was I was down. Oh, did, we, some... did we put out the original commercial yet? With with Bobby, 
<laughs> oh, dude. There we go. <laughs> Is so, that the tube steak commercial? Uh, <laughs> Ooh, fairy dust. Oh, <laughs> oh, I saw the fucking thing you sent me, dickhead. All right, so just to give you an idea, this is this is why I wanted to ask you. So I put out this little thing the other day, knowing that you're coming in here today to record. I mentioned your name. Hundred and one thousand views. So are you that popular? No, Bobby did all. He viewed it a lot of times. I have no <laughs> He was idea. working midnights. He had a lot of time on his hands. 101,000 views. All right? So that's why I think you're popular. But- Maybe in a priest community. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember him. All of them came from the Vatican. <laughs> wow. They've all made it up the big time. See, it depends on how many how much pipe you led. And then you go, oh, you're, I read it to Cardinal. Of course you did. Look at this. It says, it p- says Pope underscore Vatican. Yeah, right? <laughs> Who's this guy? Uh, <laughs> I told you this wouldn't be easy, Kevin. So we're working with this marketing company. Think about right. what you want to say. Yeah, we're working with this marketing. Co- don't I'll fucking I'll spin this another way. I was actually going to spin it in your favor, but I'll spin it another you way. You can spin it any way you want. So a commercial is will be coming out about us having. No, I can't even fucking do that. I can't <laughs> even do it. So we're we're working with a uh, a marketing company, and we have an officer who's coming in here. It's openly gay, and we all know everybody thinks it's Bobby, but it's not. And this guy put together a commercial. How do we know it's not? I haven't come out yet. <laughs> this guy put together a commercial. Thinking that you were the officer who was getting oh, coming. Oh, you didn't see it? No, I didn't. He I sent. Said, he, oh, said he said. Oh, no, yeah, he did send to me. I'm, I open it up and I start crying, laughing, knowing that it's the, it's the wrong. He's got the wrong guy. It was just mis, miscommunication. But I think I might have to actually put that one up. You could do whatever you want. Because I'm down fun, with it. That's fucking hilarious. I, I still got it on my. I phone. probably got a lot more hits on my grinder account. <laughs> <laughs> so what's changed for you since coming out of rehab? Living this sober life as far as being a police officer. I become much uh, closer with my family, uh, much more involved in daily operations where I used to throw everything on her. She still does all the cleaning, but. Uh, as they should. <laughs> oh, that's going to get my <laughs> nuts chopped up. No, uh, as they I just became more. Listen, we work a crazy schedule at work and stuff like that sometimes, but I do as much as I possibly can to help out more. I was, I was a no show as far as that's concerned. I thought that coaching my kids in sports and showing up at games and stuff like that for my daughter was enough. I was really not, I didn't, nothing with schoolwork. I was an absentee father. But, in but that coaching sense. is almost kind of masking your alcoholism, isn't it? Yeah. You, you know, yeah. you, you justify, well, I can't yeah. be an alcoholic. Look, I'm coaching all these sports. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of denial in there too. I mean, I, I don't have a problem. I just, knew I had a problem, but I was like, I would convince myself, you know, I'm no fucking problem. Kidding me? Yeah. Every look at everybody else is doing the same shit. Uh, everybody, yeah. everybody was doing the same shit. If, I you, was if doing. you're in a bar drinking, you're generally not in there by yourself. Everybody's in a bar drinking. Yeah. Well, well, he's got and, and, and like six of them were cops with me. You know what I mean? There's always I could always find a cop buddy when I needed to drink. You know, I could always find anybody, but I could definitely find one of my cop friends to drink with me when I wanted. Who wants to go out to dinner? You know, be, talk about being a bad influence on the young guys. Well, every, they can't its, wait to hang out with, oh, I want to go hang out with this detective and fucking hang out. We ain't talking about work. Can't fucking drink. <laughs> Addicts are always very good at justifying their, their actions. Always, yeah. always. Hey, I drink. I, I got I got this under control. I can do this. Look, I'm coaching my kids. So it's a natural progression. So you're closer with your family. How about police work? Are you a sharper police officer? <sighs> or did more, that not change at all? No, I'm more focused. Absolutely. I was, I, I, I was good. Uh, and I, I, I was always better than the average, but 
now I'm more locked in. Now, see, I, I came back and seemed like <laughs> sometimes you do something right and things just happen for you. Like I, I left as a detective. I came back and three weeks later I was a fucking sergeant. And, you know, I just, it was like perfect timing. And then I became a sergeant and then I became like, you know, I mean, I just was locked in. I was really, uh, I guess I always had leadership ability, but like on the job, it really comes out. The guys, my guys are always telling me, I got transferred to another squad. These guys were like, oh, who wish you were my sergeant, you know, blah, blah, blah. I get a lot of positive, positive feedback about how to do the sergeant job. You know, and I, I got I hate giving him credit, but I watched him be a sergeant, and I knew how he was. And you know, there's a, there's a nice balance to being a good boss. You, you have know? to have a good boss in order to be a good boss. You know, yeah. one, one of, one of the ultimate compliments you could get, and, and I got about Bobby, not mentioning any names, but Bobby and his last chief didn't get along all that well. And chief lives in my town. I know him pretty well. And he said. Bobby is a fantastic cop. He goes, he's one of the best guys we have. He's like, he's my go-to guy. If I need something done, I'll go to Bobby. He goes, but he's a jerk off. <laughs> that's really it. Yeah. Well, and we, we, that's, that's the general thing. Like, you know, like I had, when I went to, uh, when I said to my chief off the record, I said, chief, if you knew I had a problem, he goes, you're one of my best cops. He goes, you never had a problem here. He goes, I can't force you. That's the one thing that cops need to know. Your chief's not going to come to you. If your chief comes to you or your IA comes to you. Now you got trouble. You got problems. It's when you go to him, you'll never, ever, there's no fear there to go to your chief and tell him you have an issue and you need help. And they have, they're obligated, even if they hate your fucking guts, they're obligated to help you. Now, this case, this chief loved me and he told me, he goes, you ever hear this saying it's not a problem until it's a problem? Well, now it's a fucking problem, you know? So now, now you've gone through all this stuff. Has Have you been able to direct anybody else with a potential alcohol problem into your place? I've helped people. It's hard to help people without saying, uh, you should do this, this, and this. It's not like... That's a paternal It's thing, not yeah. like we're coaching, uh, you know, football and I'm showing someone how to play outside linebacker or how to play defensive end. You know what I mean? That's... Those, there's things that you need to know to play those positions, you know? With addiction, what works for me might not work for you. So I just tell them what works for me. And I'll listen. At least it's a jumping talk. off point. Yeah, so listen, this worked for me, but talk to me. Right. And I've talked to a few people, and they've actually, you know, not everybody's an alcoholic. Just because you're drinking a lot at some point in your life doesn't make you an alcoholic. Excuse me, I don't believe that. I mean, I know a lot of people don't are going to disagree with me or say whatever, but just because you're, you know, you got some downtime and you know, you're drinking a lot and you're, you're depressed or you're just having some anxiety or whatever else, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a problem. You might just be going through something. You know what I mean? It can develop into alcoholism if you continue it long enough. Now, I wish I was a guy that just liked to drink and I never had any issues and I was a fucking normal, normal person. I wasn't normal. That's why we're sitting here. I mean, I'd still be drinking, you know? You know, we're coming to the end of this thing, and I ask every all of my guests the, the same question each time. It's you've gone through all this different stuff. You come out on the other side, clean, sober. What do you think all this suffering's taught you? I really regret having anal sex in uh, <laughs> 1988. Uh, that but was not tough. the one he had last week. 
But then I got used to it, just like everything else, and now it's routine. It helps me with my sobriety. Uh, I'm sorry, I got off track. My bad. Holy shit. Um, I don't know what the fuck to leave in anymore and what to take out. What was that? Uh, what, what was, was the question? question? What was the question? question? You if had you, me at hello. If you had nine inches in your ass, how far do you think before it's just a tip just to see how it Well, feels? I think I think the hard part's the entry because the rectal spasms a little bit. But once you get in there, because you can get some analese or some shit like that, that'll help with it. And then, you know, then start the pounding. The pounding has to begin. Did you say anal ease? Yeah, there's this stuff called anal. You put it in your anal and it helps the fucking with the pain. This has gone out of the realm of just joking around because you have really specific knowledge. It's yeah, starting to worry me. Don't worry about it. Unless you're alone with me in a room, don't worry about it. So what do you, what do you think this this all this stuff has taught you all this suffering? With this? With alcoholism. No, oh. not with Let's drop the anal stuff for a second. Honestly, it's taught me uh how to live my life, how to be productive, how to be a better father, a better husband, how to uh be a better employee, how to be a better friend to people and listen it's not always about me i was a very selfish person all alcoholics are and and anybody who's a drug addict whatever you're going to be selfish it's all about you and no one else fucking matters now everybody matters i said something the other day i put on uh i uh, instagram i said uh you know something about quit fucking whining and if you're going to give up something for lent don't give up anything do something for somebody else because the time that you give up to do something for somebody else it could just be listening it could be anything is is you're doing something better than yourself. You're because when we give up shit for Lent, I'm giving up fucking sugar. It's only helping you. It ain't helping nobody else. It should be about helping somebody else. And I think that's where I'm at now. I don't go out of my way to look for fucking people with problems. That's not what I'm saying. But anybody could be you like I say, I get phone calls every now and then and I do my best. It's an awkward position, mind you. I'm not a counselor. You know? Yeah, well, but you, you it, it, they're gonna talk to you because you've been there. Yeah, no, and I'll talk to anybody. Yeah. But it's not going to be a therapy session with me. It's going to be like this, this, this. You ask me a specific question, I'll give you a specific answer. I'm an open book. I don't hide anything. So like I said, Bob, Bobby's been one of my, my greatest friends, I mean, throughout the course of my life. He's just saying this because we're on the fucking thing right now. <laughs> yeah. No, he, oh, he motherfucks you all the time. Don't worry about it. Do you ever get one of those fingers in your ass? Well, the size of those fucking things? <laughs> You're starting to worry me, bro. <laughs> starting to worry. Me. Everything comes back. So Mike, Mike's giving you a compliment. So what about that finger in your ass? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not good with compliments. That's the one thing. I uh, but you know, and, but and you are good at anal. That's that's yes, really that's really what I was getting at. I mean, me and Bobby always had like the the I don't want to say relationship because then he's going to go back to anal. Of but course, we've always like me and you. Like we always said, we're never going to say we we love each other. But Kev, you're a jerk off. You know, that means we care. Right. Yeah. Me and Bobby always had that same kind of relationship. I think since he got sober, <clears throat> like he said, that post that he put on Instagram the other day, I read that thing. And I'm like, that's like the new Bobby. You know, Bobby, the old Bobby, the old drinking Bobby would have never done it. One of the nicest things he ever did for me, and I think I sent it to you when you got promoted. To yes. Yes, you did. I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know what? We got to find that. Cause I want to post that up. I was actually just looking for it. Yeah. I want to post I, that up. I got mother. I use the stripes on my, yeah, I gave yeah. him, when I got promoted to Lieutenant, I gave him my stripes and he wrote a, an awesome thing on Instagram. And it was, I mean, so we'll, I was in tears. We'll find, we'll find that. And, and we're going to post that up cause it is very nice, but it is very indicative of your new path in life. And I hate to say this is a new Bobby, this was always, from what I see, being an outsider, not knowing you that well, it seems like this is always who you were, but you were masking it all those years with all this Thank alcohol. you, Dr. Zhivago. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right. It, I was probably masking it. You know, like we said, there's so much regret. I've loaded with regret 
you know, see, one of my biggest thing is, and I know we've, we're, you're probably going to edit a lot of shit out, but like my friends, like, like Mike, he, he did everything he wanted, not everything he wanted to do athletically. And I felt like I always was the second. I remember a friend of ours, Mike Detour, came to watch me play basketball. And he says to me, dude, you're fucking awesome. He goes, when did you become a good basketball player? I was like, I don't know. I just, I was always a good athlete. I just never got to do anything. You know, I was always, I was too, I lived in this house where you couldn't even fucking like, like move and you got cracked. So when I was playing sports, I would like sit back and I wouldn't act when I should have, you know what I mean? So I have all regret. Like, listen, I wasn't going anywhere. I just wish I had that experience that all my friends did. You know, when I did do well, my stepfather would take me off to sports. I started at North Arlington, two sports and, he would call down there and say, send them home. Or he would come get me from practice. And I I was off baseball three times during the season. Look at it this way, Bobby. Never regret, especially from youth to where you were to where you are now. Never regret any of that. Because you have an opportunity now to do some really great things yeah. with all that stuff. And if you had not gone through all that stuff... You wouldn't be out here talking about it. You wouldn't be helping somebody else. Yeah, you know, I I got all the shit out of the basement, but that was the things that was I was still talking about, like not talking about it, feeling that shit when I was in the throes of my alcoholism as a 40, 50 year old man, still thinking about fucking sports in high school. Well, who gives a fuck? They're good questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but that was a, like something you didn't get to do. So. So, Bobby, I really do appreciate you coming in today, telling your story. I know some of it's probably still a little painful, still hurts a little bit, but you got through it on the other side. Really and I do think that's going to help a lot of yes. people because there's a lot of cops out there that are drinking probably too much and they need to hear it from someone like Bobby. Before we leave, uh, Mike had just sent me a text message of the post that Bobby put up about Mike Felice. And it says, in life, certain people inspire you. One such person inspired my life is retired police lieutenant Mike Felice. Lynnhurst Police Department, at Dented underscore Ace. Not only was Mike an outstanding cop, he is also one of my most dearest friends. Years ago, Mike gave me Sergeant Chevrons when he was promoted to lieutenant. It was my absolute privilege to wear those Chevrons on my dress blouse during my swearing-in ceremony. And in that process, honor my friend. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of Alcoholism. And let's look, think about all the stuff that we learned today. First thing we learned... Hookers now get paid with gift cards. I did not know that. <laughs> Never is an inconceivable thought. Addicts become really good at justifying their actions, but most importantly, if you do something, do it 100%. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of Alcoholism with Bobby Crudell. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Look for Mike Felace on Instagram at dented underscore ace. Look for Bobby at Bobby Crudell. Look for me. I'm at Real Kevin Donaldson. And we will see you on the next episode of The Suffering Podcast.